Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Product Led Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Bush, the author of the best selling book on product led growth, which, by the way, you can get completely for free at productledbook.com. It's just a small thank you for listening to the Product Led Podcast. So, today, we're going to be going through a podcast which is all about onboarding. How do you structure onboarding? How do you optimize your onboarding? How do you think about onboarding? And today we have two guests, Joshua and Trevor Hatfield, who work at Indirect. And they are working on a framework as far as how you can approach onboarding. And so in this discussion, there was a bunch of great takeaways. Some of the main ones were really just thinking through how do you approach onboarding? How do you think about this? How do you apply a framework to really utilize onboarding in your own business. So there's a lot of nice goodies, nuggets in this episode. I think you're going to really, really enjoy it. So let's get back to it and enjoy the episode with Joshua and Trevor from Interact. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Product Led Podcast. Today, we're going to have a fun time. We're going to be going through this fun topic around user onboarding broccoli. It's the unsexy stuff. It's the not fun stuff. It's the foundational stuff that you need to think about whenever you're building a great onboarding experience. And so today I have Joshua and Trevor, who are the managing partners at Interact. And Interact really just helps companies really love improve their onboarding. And so they have been working a lot on this concept of building a user onboarding map. And so by the end of this episode, you'll actually be able to, we'll send you the link, you can go through it, uh, fill out your own tool. But we're going to actually walk through like, why does this tool actually matter? Because there's a ton of onboarding tools out there. But why is this one super important? What are some of the elements of it that really make it kind of stand out? So Joshua and Trevor, welcome to the Product Led Podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. Thank you. Awesome. So my first question is like, tell us the story. Like, how is this thing invented? Why? All the fun details. I'll get started on that one. So we've been working with B2B SaaS clients for the last uh, 10 years. And a huge part of what we do with them is bringing the teams aligned. So the sales and the product, and dev, CX, to actually use the same vocabulary, have the same goals. And part of that was defining the customer's journey over the course of acquisition all the way through referral. And so Trevor developed this sort of model around each stage of that has a KPI, has one person responsible for it, has definitions that relate to it. And so this tool that we'll talk about today is kind of the culmination of probably 10 years worth of working with product leaders. Awesome. And can you just share a quick visual of like what this looks like for the audience that is going to listen to this on YouTube? Because yes, there is, for anyone who's listening, we have a YouTube channel. <laughs> and not many people know about it, but uh, it's on product-led, just the YouTube channel. So feel free to share the visual and we'll just kind of go through at a high level what is on this user onboarding map that works. Yeah, sure. So this is an email marketing product. And as you can see, it's kind of pulled from the pirate metrics, uh, although how you use this is a bit different. And it's mainly a team alignment tool, right? So one of the biggest problems is just definitions through the customer journey. So acquisition and through activation or onboarding, uh, retention, revenue, and referral. And by defining the core or key or actionable metrics within this customer journey map and all of your teammates or core decision makers agree on it, 
is the first step in getting things right. Awesome. And I totally agree. Like team alignment, getting Ruby on the same page is a big piece of this. Now, why did you choose like these three different things? So like there's the pirate metrics, there's the stage, and then there's the metrics. Like what was it about those three things where you're like, yeah, this is the answer to alignment. It's going to help people quite a bit. So they are kind of defined a little differently, but through the stages, let's say in acquisition, all of this is heavily defined based on this is kind of a grouped metric, like sign up intent, actually, whereas onboarding is actual steps, required steps to achieving the promise of your product for the first time. So in an email marketing tool, uh, it would be like sending your first email, for instance, in a campaign. So it's actually there's a quite a bit behind how this works. And there is steps with questions for you to answer in order to get these outcomes that are very particular. So all of this kind of is a culmination of what's needed in order to define first. And then also there's a tracking element to this, right? So once these are defined, it's important to track these uh, properly. So both sides of that coin are kind of in this map. And that's why there are these multiple different areas, I suppose. Yeah, I also want to bring up a few cool things that this tool allows us to visualize. So under the activation stage, there's a section called onboarding. And in this example, it has four steps. And these represent the technical requirements. You know, in, in this product, you actually do need to submit your account details in order to even send a campaign. So there's like these bare bones. This is what in a lot of the sort of PLG modeling of onboarding is the absolutely required step inside the product to do. That's what this is supposed to represent. And what's cool about this is that that last step, the sending of the first email, can be directly correlated to the user's job to be done, right? And a good gauge of product market fit is to say, okay, this last technical step, it doesn't even look like what the headline on the company's website is, right? So, so maybe we have a product market fit problem. It allows us to quickly diagnose, is there really an onboarding problem here? Is there an activation problem? Is there an acquisition problem? Is it positioning? So that one piece there, that fourth step, really can tell us a lot about the client. Totally. Yeah. And I like it because it, it clearly outlines like, okay, if let's say the business isn't hitting its goals or something like that, it's like, okay, what is going on? And of course, if you have these metrics, you're actually tracking them. It would be a matter of just looking at like, okay, the stages are like, there's visits, there's a sign-up process, there's onboarding, there's goals, engagement features, revenue, referral. It's like, well, actually two-thirds of people get stuck in the onboarding. So like, let's dig in and, oh, okay, there's four metrics here we got to track that like are the high-level steps they need to go through. It's like they're getting stuck on two. It's like, it just gives you that granular detail, which I love. Yes. Now, what are some of those like big problems if like a company doesn't have this? Like what is going to go wrong <laughs> if a company doesn't have this? Yeah, so much. But I mean, we could have so many funny stories about this, but there's a few obvious ones in, in my head. And Trevor, you probably have other cool ones too. One is when companies don't really have this clearly defined up front strategically, we get into the, I want everyone to know all of my stuff and how cool I am syndrome. <laughs> so all of a sudden you've got hot spots on everything and you've got a walkthrough that takes you through 50 different paths and you're not actually optimizing for that happy path. The bowling ball, of course, going down and having its first strike. So 
that's one thing that can happen without that strategy mapped out at the top of it. The other thing that comes to mind is this idea of, of cost of acquisition. I mean, after all, we're in SaaS. We're, we're in a subscription business model. And that means the cost of converting and keeping somebody is way less expensive than the acquisition cost. And so really not having this up front can drive acquisition costs through the roof. I can add a little bit to that. So I think from like the most high level areas here, without this being defined, you'll have a misaligned team, right? And aligned teams are teams that grow. If people aren't on the same page, it's very difficult to grow together operationally between teams, et cetera, and generally have a RevOps problem there as well. This gives everybody a clear picture that we all agree on as to what happens in our customer journey and what's most important. That's laying some really, really important foundations. Without it, it's very difficult to be aligned. Another very common thing I've seen is you'd be surprised, but those required steps for people to achieve an onboarded state or activated state oftentimes aren't even tracked. Because they're not defined, they get overlooked. Sometimes the most obvious metrics get overlooked from even being tracked. And how are you supposed to improve it if it's not even being tracked or it's not even on the radar? So not having clarity to improve onboarding on top of that whole thing without laying these foundations, how are you supposed to be successful, right? So it all starts from laying these like initial foundations as a team so that you can track, so that you can do some tests, so that you can then optimize. That's a starting point there. Totally. And I know one of the first questions we kind of like scoped out for this, <laughs> you guys did, was it's like, where does user onboarding start? Because I think there's a lot of like, I don't know, myths around that one. So can you guys just explain like, where does that kind of begin and end? Uh, or if it ends? <laughs> yeah, I kind of have a, I don't know if it's a controversial view about it, but maybe an unconventional one, which is, it starts as soon as you make contact with a customer and ends the moment they fire your product. So mm -hmm. user onboarding is perpetual. And it's almost like every single one of those pirate metric stages can be defined as a unique place in the user onboarding story. So acquisition is you know really culminating in the creation of the account. Activation is the culmination of that promised first value. And all the way through, you know, revenues, that's the obvious one. They give you some money. And then, you know, of course, retention, they stick around and do like the depth and the breadth of staying engaged with your product. Awesome. I think I could maybe like give a simple, like, I think what we're, what we're trying to do here is define user onboarding, right, as well, which is, it's the journey a new user takes while looking to experience the promise of your business or your product for the first time. And I think that's important too. A lot of times people get the for the first time mixed up because of, let's say, North Star metric definitions and things. And we could talk about that a little bit, but it should be for the first time. That way it's definitive across the board. And I also want to like make sure I, we do a shout out to Inner Trends, which is also the product we looked at, the customer journey map, which we, we work very closely with on this as well. So I don't want to leave them out. And a lot of the language we use is aligned as well such as like achieving the promise of your business or your product. I think that's important to, to understand. And we can probably talk a little bit about that too. Awesome. Totally. So I'm just curious, fun, or maybe I misunderstood here too, but whenever you say like user onboarding is just for like that first time kind of like experience, what do you kind of mean by that? Just like the first time they log in or 
the second time they lock in, are they not considered still under user onboarding? Or how does that work in your mind? Yeah, sure. Uh, I can take that. So for the first time is related to the promise of your product or your business, right? Let's take a, again, we can do email marketing software since we're on that topic, right? We said onboarded state is sent the first email in a campaign. It's the first time that you experience the promise of what an email marketing software would do is in sending emails. Now that may, uh, you may in that journey not have achieved that in the first time you've logged in, but those defined onboarding steps are what we're tracking as a required step to achieving that promise. And so they may, it may take them five times to log in and it may take them two weeks, but we're looking at the first time they understand what the problem that this business is solving for them. The promise is what we're calling it, if that makes sense. Okay. So then what would you kind of call it? Like, I know we're getting into the, uh, <laughs> the specific minutiae here. <laughs> 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 so like after they finish the, the kind of like promise, they fulfill that part. They're like, I get it. Is it still user onboarding or is it like, I don't know, because there's kind of that middle zone I see it now where it's like, it's not quite customer onboarding since they haven't paid yet. But how do you kind of define that? Let me pull this back up. Let's look back at the map for just a second, right? So what we have after this would be considered onboarded as defined and agreed on as, as a team. What happens afterwards are goals. So this may be the second email campaign or third or fifth. Obviously, upgraded to paid is a, is a goal if you're on a free trial at this point, right? Now, what we look at is they've experienced the promise at this point. We understand that if they've gone through this and something is wrong, then there's drop off somewhere. And this is a very clear area for us to optimize. Over here is what we're looking at for more of an engagement or retention aspect to this. And, or you could talk about, let's say, a customer-defined North Star metric, if you want to go this deeper into this, right? So if you add a time metric to this, how many times it takes them to do something, do onboarded state, you know, two times, three times, five times, within a period of time that leads to the highest retention or engagement, that's much more what we look at as a customer defined North Star metric. And that would be like the goal of a team, but it is not the same as onboarded, if that makes sense. Yes. And one of the, the side reasons I wanted to dig into this is because even though I'd argue we do a lot of the same things, like you help companies like implement and improve their onboarding. We kind of like train teams on, you know, how to like think about their onboarding PLG. How does it all fit together? What's important is that your team is on the same page because we both describe things different ways. We both use different language. So onboarding to you might mean something a bit different and it actually doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. What matters is like your team's on the same page. You all know what the heck it is. You know what you're driving towards. And that's why back to having a map or some kind of visual of it all is like, that's the sauce. That's the broccoli we're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. uh, it matters. So yeah, less about the, the minutiae, more about just like, get everyone on the same page. I wanted to come back to something you said briefly, Wes, which was the difference between user versus customer onboarding. Totally. Because our definitions of this might also be different from the way you see it. The distinction we make is, is really 
kind of around product-led versus more combination business models, where the way we see user onboarding is freemium or free trial, where it's very product-driven. Most of it can be automated. Where We see customer onboarding as taking a role when there's a more complex onboarding experience. For example, if you sell a, an AI tool that requires two years worth of data to be processed, and the data has to be arranged in a certain way, and, and it takes weeks to run the algorithm, and a human being actually has to kind of handhold that customer's experience. Typically, this is more like enterprise. That's kind of what we refer to as customer onboarding because you're doing less automation and you're doing more project management to get to that that activated state or that that promised value. Okay. I think like just to make it very simple, it's generally because they become a customer before they experience the promise of the product, right? They pay based on a promise, but then they have to get onboarded to achieve that promise post-payment, hence customer. A user is generally trying to upgrade to become a customer in that journey, right? Yeah, uh, definitely like that uh, simple kind of distinction. And then what would you say like the role of like this user onboarding journey map is? Like, where do you use it? How do you kind of like follow it? We talked about like kind of mapping it out and all those steps, but is it just kind of like something you set it, forget it? Or like, how do you kind of use it? How do you implement it? How, what's your kind of like take on how do you approach it? Yeah, so it, it's a great operating tool too. Like it's not just a set it up once, set up your emails and your in-app walkthroughs and walk away from it kind of deal. It's It actually can be driven into a kind of culture of data, a culture of collaboration and, and alignment. So we often ask our clients to participate in a scorecard exercise and it's a manual one. We assign a metric to an actual stakeholder to be responsible for it. And they manually actually have to put their number in, which kind of drives a sense of responsibility for that number. And depending on the velocity of data, that could be a weekly or monthly call where that RevOps team gets together. Over time, sees that scorecard grow, shift, turn more red, turn more green, and sort of make those incremental changes that, again, are kind of like the broccoli. Like we all want that silver bullet. We want to just redo all of our emails and all of a sudden our, our user onboarding doubles. But oftentimes it's not like that. It's a slog. And you're taking one email or one UX experience and tweaking it and testing it and seeing how that affects everything else over time. So we, we do have a, um, a template that we use with our clients for that kind of scorecarding exercise. Okay. And I know for like the user journey map, there's like probably about like 30 different metrics. And I was just thinking <laughs> for yeah. myself, I remember the first company scorecard I built. <laughs> yeah. It had way too much stuff in it. I was just like, okay, so we're paying attention to everything. We're also missing the mark on so many things. So like, how do you make it simple so that like people actually pay attention to it and can understand those numbers? Obviously it's got to be tracked somewhere, but what about just having a higher level kind of like team scorecard to keep people on track? Well, there's this, this pill you can take. It's called the uh, simplicity pill. Take it in the morning yeah, with your yeah. vitamin C. <laughs> can you get me that one? <laughs> so like the idea here is you take one metric from each of, maybe not one metric, but the core metrics from, from each of these 
pillars, right? We call them at Interact. We call them growth pillars: acquisition, activation, revenue retention, referral. We're calling them growth pillars, and you would take the core metrics from each of these. So, call it visits. Each of your onboarding steps upgraded to paid, right? And then you may track all of these other uh, goals, retention metrics, etc. And some of those may you may see them pop in and out of the scorecard based on opportunity, right? And you agree as a team which ones of these are going to lead to growth or a test you're doing or something to that effect, right? So yeah, of course, simplify it down. You're tracking these because you believe that there's defined opportunities in them. And those ones that you find once tracking is in place to have an opportunity, you may add to the scorecard and assign that metric to a team member. I don't know, Joshua, do you have a scorecard template we could show? Yeah, I could show one real quick. So we're just tracking, obviously, their product is a lot more complicated than this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this is color-coded. So these are acquisition metrics. These are activation metrics. This is the revenue metric. And these are the ones that we've assigned. So, you know, we were hired to do their inbound work. So we kind of owned this top part. Their product person owned this part. Their salesperson owns this part. Their CX owns the uh, retention part. So having ownership, hugely underrated. Yeah. (laughs) Hugely helpful for any of these scorecards. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's not about blame too. I mean, that's the other thing is people get afraid. Like, don't blame me if the number goes down. No, it's okay. Like, it's not your fault. Google changed their algorithm. Uh, but, the CEO assigned you ten of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's too unrealistic too. Yeah, and there are nuances to this. Like, this is a seasonal product, right? So there's going to be fluctuations in in the year and different things that the team knows about, and you can add comments and. A lot of this stuff is, it doesn't have to be perfect to be effective, right? Just do it. (laughs) And you'll start to adapt your own ways sometime. So like when you build this out, is there anything like, I'm thinking of two problems of like people actually implementing this. One, updating this, like is this, I don't know, VAs or automated way of doing this to get like all this data. Yeah. And like what kind of cadence do you typically find works best for reviewing this? This particular client is in a monthly cadence. They're more of an enterprise sale. They close, you know, 10 to 15 deals a month. They're not in the hundreds of new users realm. Products with a higher velocity, you probably want to do this weekly. As far as automating it, I do get that question a lot. And I actually, it's kind of like, you know, using a pen and paper sometimes. The medium is itself a good strategy. And having people not automate this, but actually take the time to look at their data and make that a habit is really important. If it was just automated, and there are ways to automate this, Databox has tools that can build scorecards and they just send you the email of your scorecard. Well, you've kind of stolen the opportunity to swim in your product, in your customer. And... um, I really like the idea of just put a recurring event in your calendar, make it a half an hour and spend some time looking at your numbers. Because a lot of times you see things. The serendipity is allowed to show up sometimes. That's sort of my woo-woo answer to, to your question on that. 
No, I, I totally dig it because it's like we use Databox. <laughs> yeah. And like I've set it up so like our core metrics, like it just gets pinged in Slack every day. But it is, to your point, it's easy to ignore because it's like, oh, okay, I know in the growth channel, whatever, we get pings and it's like, I know I could check it, but, and it is easy to check it, but then it's like, well, there's other numbers there. If something's off track, then it's like, well, it's a great opportunity to kind of dig into that, find out like what are some of those things and uh, create more of like, yeah, okay, we're doing the inputs, but we're also looking into the all the other outputs. And I think that's actually a really great connection there between like there's a scorecard and then it's like, well, it's going back to that customer journey map. Oh, okay. Like that top level metrics off, like let's dig through those other five or eight metrics that were a part of that and see what else we could uncover because maybe it's not this problem and maybe it's something else above it. That's really like, oh, our users were down or something like that. That's like, that's why we don't have as many signups this month. I'm blaming yeah. marketing. Yes, right. <laughs> and, but, but blame them to their face, right? Don't just like yeah. do. Pick it up already. <laughs> <laughs> to give you a concrete example, we had a client who had um, CX. Let's see, we were involved with CX dev and products, sort of with their growth, and something happened. And because we had this meeting, and it was a data meeting with the leaders in the RevOps team, we were very quickly able to make better onboarding decisions because CX was in there, looked at a huge spike in problems. And we're trying to talk about how to improve the UX of that first 30 seconds in that product. Her insight and in, in this event that happened was pivotal in making really good in-product decisions. And that wouldn't have happened without this scorecard to facilitate that conversation. Totally. Speaking of like examples too, could you give us an example of like from beginning to end to kind of wrap this up as far as like, so there's a company, let's say you, they approached you and they're like, okay, we're a little lost as far as onboarding. Like we need some help. We need to like kind of map this out. Take us from that end to like, how did you go about mapping it out to tracking it and how that kind of changed that company? Sure. I think I could take that. So, you know, I want to say one thing before I give the example based on the last conversation we had, which is if you're to the point where you define your metrics, they are tracked and you are having a scorecard and meetings, you're like 95% ahead of the game, right? I would say just that in itself is the foundations for starting improvements. And that's not going to say in general that it's easy to get there. Um, the tracking gap is a big one. But if you have them defined, you can know how to track them and it doesn't really matter really where you do it. So that being said, to the story, I'll stick to the email marketing software. In fact, the one we're looking at the map in this podcast, in this example. So ultimately, when we worked with them, the teams were very disconnected. So we started with definitions, right? As these were defined, tracking starts to get in place. There is a, a gap there that takes a bit of, of time and note that you have to look at or give it time based on how much data you have to have that data roll in to make decisions, right? Uh, unless you can plug in a snowflake or something and look at back data or something. But we were able to then implement a scorecard, have a weekly team meeting, and start to understand where drop-off is occurring, particularly in onboarding. Now, we have our required steps to find. And on top of that, we have an experience layer, right? 
So you're looking at the drop off from the steps from an analytical point of view, but you're building experience based on where that drop off is. So they're really disconnected. The two are uh, are not one and the same. What we noticed was between creating a campaign, the first email campaign to send, and sending your first campaign, as we defined as onboarded earlier, there was a common action of going back into the product and adding contacts. So adding contacts actually isn't required because as you create your account, you are a contact and you can actually send a test to yourself. But for some reason, there was an experience that people felt when they started to create a campaign, they needed to go back into contacts, upload their list or add additional contacts. And it was creating this bump in the experience or friction for them to achieve onboard or send that first campaign. We actually did a really quick down and dirty sort of walkthrough when people came through to encourage them to add contacts prior to uh, going into creating their campaign. And that's really where we saw a conversion boost. It was a few percentage points, but it was obvious. And I think the point is small tests like that can be implemented and then you can go into the product and improve it or, or however you want. But we would never have been able to see even that for improvement without these foundational areas in place. Awesome. And so if a company is like considering like, okay, I'm like ready, I'm sold, let's go in and do this. What's like your quick like action plan for them to actually build out their own kind of user journey map? Yeah, so we spin up ours on actionablemetrics.com. You can go there, That the map's available. You just fill it out, you get your own map. Um, that will give you your de- definitions as a team. We'll supply a, a scorecard template in this if you want to leverage that off of that. And then off of that, it's it's really a team effort to get the tracking in place. That's going to be your gap to fill as a team to shoot for. And then once you have that in place, like work on a, a team meeting to look at these numbers. That's really where your starting points are. Maybe anything to add to that, Joshua? Yeah, I would, I would add, um, even bringing the team together earlier, uh, so, sometimes it's nice to have everybody represented. You get sales, product, marketing, CX, kind of all in a room and then doing the map together. Or I've seen people do them separately and then compare, which is interesting to see like how sales sees things very differently from DevOps and like put those together into a centralized version of that map. Either way, the way we like to work with people is they can do it as a team or separately or combined and then go back as sort of consultants and spend a half an hour and say, okay, so are those really the most important technical steps? Can we take one out? Did you miss any? Really defining what those goals are, which are going to be hypothesis at first for now. I think that's a good point, though. Like You're not trying to be perfect. And I think that's what a lot of people try to do right now to get off the ground, right? Just agree. Get off the ground and you can optimize and refine and change things as you learn when the data comes in, right? So don't worry about being perfect. I think that's really important. Yeah, got another way of saying that. Jacqueline Cook launched like the, went from sales led to product led at this company called Medasta. And she was like going through in our program, like he, how like did this whole process work? What are like some advice? And she's like, your baby will be ugly. <laughs> Just accept it. It's like, it's fine. It's, okay. it's better to learn like what are some of those problems in your product because like you're not 
even if you try, you're not going to nail it. And actually, if you wait too long, you're actually going to learn a lot less than you would have if you just launched it. So it's like, yeah, really just get it to like the V1 version. And then you can always improve it based on some of those data or like you find out, okay, now we can track these things and let's add that back in now that we have that capability. So I love it. That's tip you had, Joshua, regarding getting the team to actually do the mapping exercise. I 100% agree. Like I've found that we found that for our program too. That's one of the things where it's like, we initially start our program off with like individuals. And then we started realizing like, oh, we're actually missing the point. <laughs> yeah. Our training is not about training. <laughs> yeah. It's about alignment. And I was like, it was like this big aha. I was like, ah, this makes sense in hindsight because it's like when you do this as a group and you actually go through these things, it's like, well, we have just solved one of the hardest things in any organizational changes. Like, getting buy-in. How do we get everybody bought into this? How do we get them like, oh, I care about this metric now because I know why it's important kind of thing. And so it's a subtle, important hack. So I love it. Thank you so much for coming on and kind of breaking down how to go through and build your user journey map. And uh, it's the broccoli, it's the foundation, it's all that fun stuff. Any other last words of advice you kind of give people? There's something I like to say to people, which is uh, onboarding is not about teaching your users how to use your product. It's about helping your users achieve their goals. Love it. That is nice, firm, crisp. Perfect way to end this. <laughs> Where can people learn more about you guys and what you're up to? Interact.com is a good place to start. And uh, LinkedIn, we're both on LinkedIn and posting there. Cool. Yeah, I'm sure we can throw links in at the end, right? Yes. But interact.com for sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll link the uh, customer journey map as well as the team scorecard template. But thank you so much, guys, for, for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Product-Led Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with a colleague or friends you know who might benefit. We are always looking at which episodes get the most listens so we know which content to create more of. So if you want more of this particular type of content or style of episode, please share it out. And in return, here's your selfish reason to do this. Uh, we will definitely create more content just like this episode. <laughs> and if that's not your style, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and tell us your favorite part about this podcast. I personally read every single one of these reviews and it gives me more ideas on what content we should do more of. Happy growing. <laughs>